We're going to read from God's Word this morning from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. I'm reading from verse 15 down to verse 31. So that's John chapter 14, reading from verse 15 down to verse 31. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you, and will be with you and in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? and not to the world. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the, wor the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I will leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you because before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no, no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Amen. Amen. I want to begin our sermon this morning by asking you a wee question. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? What do you think of when I say the word God or the name God? What comes to your mind? A little girl was drawing a picture and her teacher was so impressed by her uh, determination and uh, her excitement and the level of her efforts and concentration. So the teacher asked her, uh, what's that you're drawing? And the little girl turned round and looked up at the teacher with uh, both puzzlement and uh, confusion, but also a real innocence and purity in her eyes. And the wee girl said to the teacher in a very matter-of-fact way, I'm drawing God. The teacher was rather 
bemused by the little girl's response and replied, but no one knows what God looks like. We don't know what he looks like. To which the little girl responded, they will in a minute. (laughs) There are two ways in which we know what God looks like. The first is through the Bible. We see his nature and his character and who he is all through the pages of Scripture. And the second, which backs up the first, is that we read in God's Word that when we look at Jesus, we see the Father, that he was the direct representation of the Father. Jesus said, Those of you who have seen me have seen the Father. So God isn't distant, He isn't a spoil sport. But he's drawn close to us in the person of Jesus Christ to reach out his hand of reconciliation to you. And when we're forgiven, the Bible says that we have something that I think every single person in this world is searching for and longing for, even though they may not know it. And that's peace. That's peace. And I want to spend a few moments just thinking about this topic of peace. Jesus said in verse 25 of John chapter 14, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. What are these things that Jesus has spoken of? Well, he's been preparing his followers and his disciples that there was a day coming that wasn't too far away, that actually that physically he would no longer be with them. He would no longer be with them physically, but he was going to go and be with his father. But he tells us that actually he's going to prepare a place for us. That's why we have to have that wee bag like the wee orange peace baby, wee jelly baby, and being ready for him returning. But even though he was going, he wasn't going to leave us by ourselves. That he was sending, or the Father was going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And here lies some really important teaching from what Jesus was saying. That physically he was going to go and be with the Father and sit at the right hand of God the Father in all glory. But the Father was going to send the Helper. And he would come and give us power and strength. So Jesus' departure was drawing ever closer. His disciples had been following him and and learning with him and walking with him. And they'd grown to be to, to enjoy his presence. We see that from some of the things that they would say. They just didn't get what Jesus was getting at. But even though he was physically going to be going to heaven in his ascension, the Father would send the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And we often see the disciples fail to grasp. Many times we see them fail to grasp, you know, some of the teaching that Jesus was saying. And it kind of looks, you know, pretty schoolboy errors to us when we read it. And I think sometimes the disciples get a wee bit of a, a hard time. But this helper, this comforter, this Holy Spirit who was coming, he would reveal the teaching as verse 26 says. He will teach you all things And bring to your remembrance what I have said to you. Jesus was encouraging his followers. Even though I'm going to be departing from this world. Don't be alarmed. 
don't be afraid. I'm still going to be here with you. I'll still be here with you. Maybe not physically, but my spirit will be here. That's why Jesus could say that I will never leave you and never forsake you, even though he was physically going to be going back to heaven. That's why he could still say, I'll never leave you. And lo, I'll be, I'll be with you even to the very end of the age. Because the Holy Spirit was coming, which we read in other parts of Scripture. His name is the Spirit of Jesus. Jesus himself said it was better that he would return to heaven so that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, could come. And as well as in this passage as the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus also offers his people, his followers, another gift. That's that gift that I said I think we're all searching for, which is the gift of peace. This peace I give to you, Jesus says in verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, let them not be afraid. This peace I give to you. And what Jesus is saying is my peace. It's different from the, the, the peace that this world tries to offer you. And it's different from the peace the world tries to sell to you. This is a different type of peace, Jesus is saying. This is my peace. And I was thinking of how can I explain what worldly peace looks like in, in an everyday type of way. And it happened to me this week, and this is, this is how I'll explain it to you. Maybe you've experienced this. Have you ever just had a really busy day? Imagine you've had a very, very busy day, and you, um, you get home, uh, and you just want to put that kettle on. And you want to get your slippers on, you get your, your outdoor shoes off, you put your slippers on, you hang your jacket up, you boil the kettle, you fill your wee cup of tea or coffee, whatever it is that you like, you get a couple of biscuits, maybe three or four if you're me, you sit down and you've got your wee crossword book or your book that you've been enjoying reading, or maybe you put the TV on, you put your feet up, and oh, I, I know some of you are just imagining it right now. I can't wait for that to get home after church today and just put my feet up and just enjoy some peace and quiet. So you sit down and you put your feet up. You just take a wee sip of your cup of tea. Maybe you've even been brave and you've dunked your biscuit in your tea. You pick your book up. And the doorbell goes. How infuriating is that? That's what the worldly peace is like. It's so fleeting. It doesn't last. It is so temporary. And actually, the peace the world offers is dependent upon surrounding circumstances. It depends upon uh, the surrounding circumstances you find yourself in. That is the worldly peace. But Jesus says, I give you peace that's different from the worldly peace. And peace is so connected to the coming of the Messiah. It is a fundamental characteristic of the promised Savior. That he would be the Prince of Peace. As sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3, we read that enmity was now, uh, that mankind now had enmity. There would now be enmity for mankind. That's what happened when sin entered the world. But when the Savior entered the world, God could now say, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. 
Last year, if you can remember that far back, I, I told you a story about a man named Frank Viner who was saved by a bit of shrapnel when it is lodged in his Bible when it was in his jacket pocket. And the, he wasn't the only person who carried a Bible around with him. The Bible was a key part of every British serviceman's kit during World War I. And often when death was coming close, maybe they'd been injured or maybe there was a really dangerous situation they found themselves in, it was very common to see that the men would pull their, their New Testament out of their jacket pocket and begin to read it. And it often took on a deep significance in difficult times, in deadly and dangerous times. Between 1914 and 1918, the Bible Society distributed more than 9 million copies of Scripture in over 80 languages to members of the British Armed Forces, but also to prisoners of war on all sides. The Bible was widely read in trenches, and particularly when men were injured or when they were near, near death. Soldiers, when they were very badly wounded, had a tendency to pull out the New Testament from their breast pocket and read it as they passed away. And one of the men who carried his Bible with him at all times was a man named George Vinyl. And one day he was in the trenches on the Western Front. And during that time he came under severe and heavy uh, fire from the enemy. So he ran into a civilian's house to get some rest and to take some shelter. And while he was resting, he saw one of his friends approaching the front door. So he got up and went to see his friend. Just at that very moment, as George got to the front of the door to see his friend, shells started falling and they ran for a trench. They left the civilian's house and they ran for a trench. And when he got back to the civilian's house where he'd left all of his stuff, all of his serviceman kit, he found a dozen men had been wounded by the falling shells, two of whom later died. He also found his Bible, which he normally always carried on his person, but he'd left it in his tunic, right where he had been lying. And he later sent his family his pocket Bible, which had been in his tunic and had three bullets in it. And he says this, as far as we could trace, four bullets came in, one being embedded in my kit where my head would have been, but for the arrival of my friend. Another was on the floor where I would have, would have been lying, uh, he said, and a third in the pocket of my tunic, which was stopped by my Bible. When he saw the bullet in his Bible, he opened his Bible up and he noticed the Bible had gone all the way through his tunic and was stopped right at Isaiah chapter 49 verse 8, which had a promise in it, which said, I will preserve thee. I will preserve thee. George wrote this as a response to that very verse. May this be true of future days. George survived the war and grew in his faith and eventually went as a missionary overseas. I will preserve thee. Friends, it's only in the promises that come from God's word that we can rest and know peace. 
To know the Lord's promise of his preserving his people is a truly immense thing. That verse from Isaiah 49 is all about God's covenant commitment towards his people, which comes from living in relationship with him. Francis Fenelon said this, that we sleep in peace in the arms of God when we yield ourselves up to his providence. We sleep in peace in the arms of God when we yield ourselves up to his providence. There is a security and a rest and a peace that we can only find in the arms of God. As the hymn says, all other ground is sinking sand. And Jesus tells us that the peace he looks to give us is different from the peace this world offers. Friends, nothing this world offers is lasting. We saw that even with the peace babies when George Bassett and co, when they made the the peace babies and they soon had to stop production when the Second World War began. We're fallen, we're hot-headed, we're proud and angry sometimes. But even when life is difficult and so challenging, we can hold on to that promise that Jesus speaks in verse, verse 27 let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Why? Because my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. John F. Kennedy said that the mere absence of war is not peace. The mere absence of war is not peace. Friends, peace isn't the absence of conflict. But it's truly the presence of Jesus. My peace I give to you. This peace belongs to him. It's his to give away. It's his gift to bestow. And it's the peace, that peace that many men on the battlefields would know in their last moments as they opened up their New Testaments, as they opened up God's Word to find some sort of comfort and solace. That even in the midst of hardship and the most difficult of circumstances, it was an enduring and lasting peace. Because God's peace is secure and permanent. There's an old African proverb that says, Peace is costly, but it is worth the expense. Peace is costly, but it is worth the expense. Just as we saw on that peace baby, the red peace baby with the letter B on its belly, which stood for the blood of Jesus. That is what this peace cost. The peace that the Lord can offer that is lasting and secure that we can stand upon and trust in and sleep in. It cost Jesus his life. It cost him his life. God's peace is costly. As Jesus would say, but for the joy set before me. It's worth the cost because he could be reconciled with his people. And we could know a peace, but also be a people of peace. I came across a poem this week by the Salvation Army, which is entitled Pure Peace. Let's listen to these words together. 
Pure peace comes from above. It is a manifestation of selfless love. If you can find you can forgive, you can find that you can live in pure peace. Pure peace comes from deep inside when you get rid of foolish pride. Only when you can forgive will you find that you can live in pure peace. There are no excuses, there can be no blame, just a realization that we are all loved the same. Like Jesus, we must forgive, then we can live in pure peace. Pure peace cannot reign where judgment presides or labels and hatred are a word that divides. We need to learn to forgive. Only then can we live in pure peace. Pure peace in a world that is dark and broken, where we have not learned from the men that have fallen. Only when we start to forgive can we learn to live in true peace. A peace may be seen in the world today. Let it be so, Lord, I pray. The gift of pure peace can be seen in each heart. Slowly, day to day, the world will start to live in pure peace. My peace I give to you, Jesus says. And as God's people who have received God's peace, we have a calling to be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Friends, if you are a child of God this morning, wherever you go, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, even if it feels like everything else is falling around you, know that you have in your heart a true and lasting peace. Remember, peace isn't the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of Jesus. In closing, let's listen to these words from Isaiah 52, verse 7 together. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Let us pray. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And Lord, we know that the absence of conflict doesn't mean that there is peace. Father, this world offers many things. But Lord, they are not lasting. They are fleeting. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. Father, we see when we put our hope in men just how often we're let down. But God, I thank you that you are not a man that you should lie. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you for your peace that you've bestowed upon your people. That peace that lasts. It goes through every situation with us. Thank you, they're part of a kingdom that can never be shaken. Lord, and we pray as your people that you would help us to be peacemakers. Bringing your love and peace wherever we go. 
Just thank you, Father, that we have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us. Father, help us to be a people of peace. Lord, would we help? Would you help us to remember that you've given us your peace and you have said, peace be with you. For we ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.